Welcome to Four Down Territory. I'm Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of the Niners Wire. Joining me, as always, is Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. And Doug, welcome to the preseason, baby. We got actual football back. Actual football games. I'm Woo-hoo! so excited. I'm yes. so excited. I think this is the first time you and I have gotten to do shows where we have actual football to talk about. Yep, actual football. Yes, this is this is so exciting. You're uh, one of the smartest people doing it, so I'm so excited to run through some of these preseason games with you. Get out more and meet more people. No, no, you know, I I have I have, and my my bar is admittedly low, but but you're you're clearing (laughs) it. You are clearing it with. With flying colors, my friend. But now that the first full week of the NFL preseason is in the books, we have you know real football to talk about. Not hypotheticals, yeah. not draft prospects, not free agency, not camp football. So unless you're one of those football versions of the people who are no fun at parties, that's me. That's me. Hello. Who insists that preseason doesn't matter at all, like no matter what. Um, when you're watching preseason games, what are you looking for? Like, what are you hoping to get out of it? Really, I'm, I'm for what I do. I'm doing what I do in the regular season. I'm watching tape. I'm looking at metrics. I'm trying to put it all together. I don't discount preseason performances because this or that team is playing its seven stringers um, mm. because that generally aligns for both teams. But if one team is peaked to play its starters and it's playing a team that has no interest in doing so, I obviously take that into sure. account. I mean, the Jets were like throwing jerry philbin and mark gastineau at carolina's you know 17th string offensive line i'm going to take that into account but it's like when i put up the pick six eagles cornerback eli ricks had against the ravens on saturday night on social media and i had all these people tell me that it was meaningless because anthony brown was staring his receiver down and whatever and i mean that's his maybe but ricks is an undrafted rookie playing in his first nfl game he'd be forgiven for looking like the game was too big for him and he didn't i mean he looked really good I think uh, two pass breakups had that pick six. Had he not slipped on the turf about a minute after his pick six, he could have had another one. He was right there. So I'm watching how Ricks reacts to his receivers, how he reads the quarterback, what his movement skills are like, how he plays in press and off coverage. And then I'll cross check his Alabama tape to see where he's improved. I remember when, Brock Purdy became the starter for the Niners. And we're going to get into that subject in a minute, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really watch his Iowa state tape until he became the starter. And then I went back and I was able to see all the progressions, all Mm -hmm. the things he had learned. Mm -hmm. And so that was a regular season example, but a lot of what I'm doing now is I'm watching these guys play their first and second and third NFL games, whatever the schemes are, vanilla, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm just kind of getting a sense in my head for, okay, Will McDonald all of a sudden looks like Lawrence Taylor, the the Jets edge rusher. Mm -hmm. Well, how real is that? Who is he going up against? Well, if he puts a a filthy, evil spin move on Iki Aquanu, I'm going to pay attention. I don't care. So, you know, that nuance is important. But if you want to insist that nothing that happens in the preseason matters, I guess I'll have to disagree with you. And so will every coach and executive in the NFL. And as they all know a lot more than I do, I'll stay on that side. I think it matters in the way that you're talking about. I think for fans, it obviously does not matter because the wins and losses don't count. And right. I think for a lot of people, that's the scope that they they view the game through. And that's and that's fine. I'm not taking the 49ers off the Super Bowl contender mantle because they lost to the Raiders 34 to no. 7. No. That's that's where preseason doesn't matter for me. But there's all the things you just laid out. And then okay, so Eli Ricks, for example is dominant against backups. Well, great. That's what you want a good player to do. If there's somebody out there lighting it up against second and third stringers, great. That's a very good sign 
for that player, preseason or not, scheme. Well, just to bust in, the, the near pick six he had, the set, the almost second one was against Laquan Treadwell, who it, it never really veteran got, receiver, veteran never really became what we thought he would become. But still, he's been in the league for a long time. He's supposed to know how to take a rookie cornerback and just light him up, and he didn't. So right. I that's so I, I digress. Yeah, and that's that's where preseason has value to me. And then you can watch, and you can just see what players have feel and which ones don't. Yep. I know it's a cross-sport reference here, but James Wiseman, former center for the Warriors, number two pick, you could tell when he was playing, like, man, that feel is just not quite there. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit. And you can see that in NFL players too. Yep. If there's a guy just missing tackles or or reading routes wrong or missing throws or or going not running through contact, those are all things that translate preseason or not. So from the minutia standpoint, I definitely think it has value. But for a fan that wants to know whether their team won or lost on Sunday, it it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and but a lot of fans want to analyze. They the you know yeah. they watch clips on Twitter and they they are trying. A lot of fans, I mean, not every fan is just, you know, with the foam finger and the beer and screaming yeah. his or her head off. Fans <laughs> there's anything to... wrong with that. No, there's not. I, I, I do it in other sports. Um, like when I used to like the Mariners before they broke my spirit and, you know, mm. made me bitter. Um, you know, fans want to extrapolate meaning from this, too. And they want to get some context and some nuance and some understanding from it. So I, I think it, it matters as much as you want it to matter, but it does matter. Thankfully, thankfully, people have analysts like you to to walk them through some of the nuance, and it's definitely appreciated. Let's jump over to second down, where <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I teed this one up for you, man. You did, no, you did. Little, little hanging slider. This was the the number one kind of training camp battle for for anybody looking through a national lens. The 49ers quarterback battle was the number one thing that people were interested in in training camp. So Trey Lance yesterday gets sacked four times against the Raiders, or Trey Lance on Sunday, I should say, got sacked four times against the Raiders. He had two interceptions that got dropped. Um, one of one handed for a touchdown, touchdown, which was exceptional. That was Came awesome. Ridiculous. We can talk more about that in a second. Sam Darnold, though, he looked more competent in that game. Yep. He played uh, most of the third or all of the third quarter and and the first couple plays of the fourth quarter. And so in the battle between the two former third overall picks, Sam Darnold and Trey Lance, and then Mr. Irrelevant from last year, Brock Purdy, how do you think everything plays out? I was recently honored to be on the Mina Kimes podcast. And wow. the way I put it there was I, I explained what I think is the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, organizational quarterback schism philosophy, <laughs> which okay. is – Going back to the decision to trade a King's ransom for the third overall pick they needed to select Lance in the first place, I think that Lynch and Shanahan made a decision that is highly unusual for either one of them in this situation. Because you know this as well as I do, or better than I do. Shanahan has never wanted a quarterback who would play outside his structure at all until he could prove that he could play in it completely. And he's got problems with Lance on both sides of the equation because he's playing out of structure because he can't play in structure. Mm -hmm. And that that's not all his fault. He's been hurt. Maybe he should have stayed another year, COVID, all this, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Purdy showed a lot in his rookie season that nobody expected at the end. I think Sam Darnold, honestly, Kyle will be their, their starting quarterback this season. He's more mobile than people think, so he can run all of Shanahan's boot stuff. He's a legitimate red zone rushing threat. He had five rushing touchdowns for the Panthers in 2021. No one remembers that because it's Sam Darnold. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. 
and he's got a, he's got that arm that can make Y throwback happen with ease. He can throw across his body 20 or 30 yards and doesn't look mm-hmm. ridiculous. He's not perfect, but he doesn't need to be. He needs to take Shanahan's playbook, pour it into his head, and not screw it up. And those things, I think, he can do better than any other quarterback on that roster right now. So I don't necessarily disagree with you, but Brock Purdy is going to be their starter. Brock Purdy starting week one. I'm, I'm. That, but is he starting week again. 18? That, that I don't, I, I don't know. But come week one, Brock Purdy's taking all the first team reps in, in yeah. camp. The team loves him. And based on what he put on tape last year, they scored 33 and a half points a game when he was a starting quarterback. So he's going to get the first crack at it for sure. But to your point, it would not shock me if by week six, they're two and four and Purdy's not playing well. I, I think they're they're going to look at at Sam Darnold on that roster and go with him. Now, the whole Trey Lance aspect of this is it was understood when they drafted him in 2021 that he needed to play. He threw 290 passes or whatever it was between between his senior year of college or high school and and his college career. So he just needed to play games. And he hasn't gotten an opportunity to do that. He was the backup in in year one, and he, even then he got hurt in in the preseason. And then when he did get a start, he got hurt. And then in year two, he breaks his ankle and he's out for the season after after the first drive of of week two. Yeah. And Purdy comes in at the end of last year and lights it up the way he did. And now Trey Lance is back in a position where hey, he still needs to play, but he is on a team that is not going to afford him the opportunity to do that. So I think the way this I think the way this all shakes out is Purdy to start the year as QB one, Sam Darnold's QB two, because maybe the team likes Lance's ceiling more, but they're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. They're all about urgency this year. Yeah, they and if they be. think if they think Sam Darnold is more ready, I totally agree. If Sam, if they think Sam Darnold is more ready to lead the offense if he has to come in in week one, then Sam Darnold's gonna be the backup. Trey Lance will be QB three, and maybe there's a couple injuries and Lance comes in and he gets to start eight games in a row and there's this massive improvement. And oh my god, the Niners fell backwards into a good quarterback. But I think he's gonna wind up getting traded next offseason, Lance, that is. And and you know, barring injury and barring a massive regression, I think Purdy will be the the quarterback for them this year. I think with Lance, you go back to, again, the COVID year and the injuries. I always go back. I mean, the, the positives, he reminded me of Steve McNair coming out. I made that mm-hmm. comp. I think Daniel Jeremiah also made that comp completely independent of each other. We just kind of came to McNair, which is pretty good. Sure. Borderline Hall of Famer. Um, but that Central Arkansas game, I think that was his last college game. Yeah, it's showcase game. 15 of 30, two touchdowns, one interception. And Central Arkansas was throwing some stuff at him, man, like, you know, quarters with safety movement and Tampa too. And even then his head was kind of exploding. So mm-hmm. this was a guy, we talk about his ceiling, but there there are floors between his ceiling and his floor. So, yeah. yeah I And again, not all his fault. Sometimes you just have injury misfortune and, and that's the way it goes. But yeah, I, I don't know what Trey Lance's future is at this point. It, I'm sorry to say that because I thought he was a really exciting prospect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so many things have to, especially at quarterback, my God, so many things have to line up yeah. for success in the NFL. You have to bring all of yourself into it. And there's so many things not of your own volition that also need to, you know, line up. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, you see the, you see, yes, uh, on Sunday, you see the flashes of 
playmaking, right? The, there was the little dump off to, to Willie Sneed where it looked like he was going to scramble and then on the run, just kind of a weird arm angle, got it to Sneed for a first down. Like that's that's great and you like to see that. And then he shows off the arm strength where they got the ball with 27 seconds left before the half and he, he helped him get in field goal range with a couple of downfield throws. Like you like to see that. But then there's holding on to the ball too long. There's bringing the eyes down and looking at pass rushers. There's escaping clean pockets. It's that's the kind of stuff that I mean, maybe maybe it comes out with more play. And that's I want to see him start six, eight games in a row before I write him off. But it's not going the right direction to be. I also to be wonder totally clear. Yeah, I also wonder if he would be better in with a head coach or an offensive shot caller. And of course, Shanahan's both. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a guy who's more comfortable with that randomness because yeah. Kyle is not, yeah. <laughs> and he is the best offensive designer of his era. He is the yeah. most, the most potent disruptor of defenses of his era. I will brook no argument. You can throw McVeigh or whoever else you want in there. He's the guy. So he has a right to say, Hey, this is my system. This is the way you do it. And I want a guy who's just going to do it. <sighs> I mean, like I said at the beginning, they took a shot on, well, what if we could take all this amazing Shanahan stuff and pour it into a guy like when he was, I think he was the Redskins, I think he was a QB coach under his dad, and he had Robert Griffin the OC. for a little bit. Yeah, he was the OC. And, you know, maybe he was thinking back to that, like, well, what if I could do that now? Yeah, um, I think I think that doesn't a, always work. Well, and, and remember, too, you bring up RG3, but I think he was thinking more – Hey, Steve Young, who his dad coached in San Francisco, yeah, John Elway, true. who his dad won Super Bowls with in, in Denver. I think that's kind of what he was hoping for. And like I said, maybe he gets there, but the Niners aren't the team to to give him that opportunity because they can't they can't live with the growing pains right now. No, they can't. So Trey Lance didn't do much to help himself in, in week one. What no. players did do something to help themselves in week one of this particular preseason. I have three guys that stood out. Well, a lot of guys. I did a secret superstars article this morning. Uh, a lot of guys stood out, but I like, I always like Dorian Thompson Robinson mm, when he was the okay. quarterback. And I like him even more now that he's got two preseason games with the Browns. Yeah. DTR had always been capable of making explosive plays with his arm and his feet. And based on that preseason action, I think he's cleaned up his process in tight window throws especially in red zone situations, you watch his college tape and that's kind of where the mystery meat was. There'd be some amazing red zone throws mm-hmm. and then what? Um, to, to quote Chris Berman, what? Um, yes, it's early, but I think he has the potential to beat out Josh Dobbs who um, completely misfired on <laughs> what would have been a touchdown pass to one of your guys uh, for the Browns number two spot behind Deshaun Watson. And if Watson can't make more of things needed in 2022, who knows how far he can go down the road. Mm-hmm. Rookie Malik Cunningham of the Patriots is in a far less defined quarterback situation, and he might be able to take advantage. It seems that there's not much of a difference in the minds of the coaches between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi and Foxborough. And based on what Cunningham showed against the Texans, maybe he makes that process even more complicated. Cunningham completed three or four passes for 19 yards, but he had a great rollout through to the end zone, and uh, Trey Nixon should have caught that. And we would be talking about it you know, the whole time had that happened. Uh, He also had 34 rushing yards on five attempts and his ability to juke defenders all over the field. You know, this is a guy to watch the rest of the preseason. And, uh, you know, he lined up also at wide and in the slot and he overcame a a face mask penalty, which they pretty much took his head off. So that was impressive. 
Uh, speaking of the Texans, uh, Nathaniel Tank Dell, one of my favorite pre-draft guys. Mm-hmm. I love those water bug receivers. He was discounted by many because he's you know, 5'8", 175, but he showed against the Patriots that he's a matchup nightmare all over the field. He can take a simple slant to the house like a guy you'd expect with the size-speed ratio, but he's also more than capable of getting open against all kinds of coverage. You can see why C.J. Stroud was telling us about Dell in May after a few minicamp practices. Mm-hmm. And while Stroud's debut was less than stellar, uh, I think Dell showed like, okay, you got to watch out for this kid. Kyle, what have, about you? I have a rule with players named Tank. If you're a big player named Tank, I'm out. If you're a small player named Tank, I'm in. And that's that's the rule I live by in Tank Dell. So where does lie. Tank Bigsby fall in that? Because he's kind of mid-sized. TBD. Okay. TBD. I need to Fair go. Enough. I need to go. I need to go. I need to go watch. Okay. Uh, but for for he falls in a gray area, you know. It, there's gray areas in life, Doug, and yes, and sir. he's in he's in there. So for right. me, it starts with Packers quarterback Jordan Love, and not that he was like in danger of losing his starting job or anything like that. But I feel better about him in this Packers offense after watching him in Cincinnati. He was seven of ten. It was forty six yards and a touchdown. Ideally, he'll push the ball downfield a little bit more yeah. in in the regular season. But in Matt LaFleur's offense, there's layups. Like You have to hit the layups. We're just talking about Trey Lance. That's his big issue is the layups are, are not layups for him. But they were for Jordan Love. And like I said, maybe he'll push the ball down the field more in the regular season when they're game planning and they're drawing up shot plays. But for now, you'll take 7 of 10, 46 yards, and a, and a touchdown. And I, I feel better now about the Packers offense than I did uh, going into the preseason for sure. Another player that jumped out, going to go back to the Browns here, is wide receiver Austin Watson. So (laughs) Watson's last three professional football teams before Cleveland were the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Memphis Showboats, and the Birmingham Stallions. All those sound like like fake football teams, right? Yeah. Uh, He's 6'3", 210. He has six catches, 71 yards on eight targets, and they're lost to Washington. But consistency is is key for some of these kind of lesser-known guys. And I thought he created separation really well. He found space. And like we talked about earlier, the competition level isn't as high, but he looked really dominant against these second and third and and maybe in some cases four string guys that he's playing against. And that's really what you want to see. So I'm really intrigued to see him uh, moving forward. Well, the against one- Commanders, by the way, he had uh, he had the delightfully named Rashard Wild Goose beaten a uh, 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 <laughs> vertical route, and yeah. Josh Dobbs threw the ball into Section H. So, I mean, mm. that would have been a touchdown. So, there you go. <laughs> what? Say that name again, please. R- Rashard Wild Goose. I'm getting his jersey. Yes. I'm buying that jersey tomorrow. We'll uh, see <laughs> that on, on territory next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do the wild express shipping. I'm gonna pay extra to get it here. We're at backwards, so we can see wild goose on the <laughs> shot. Okay, you got it. Uh, finally, Chargers running back Elijah Dotson. He was yes. super impressive. He played yeah. seven snaps. Okay, he played seven snaps. He got six carries and had 92 yards and two touchdowns. But he created explosive plays. There wasn't a ton of yards after contact. I think it was less than two yards after contact per carry. You'd, I, you'd like to see that number tick up more. But man, they just couldn't touch him. And he's creating explosives in an NFL where creating explosive plays is the name of the game on offense. So Joshua Kelly has been there for a couple of years. Nice day, 54 yards on nine carries. But I have a hard time believing that Elijah Dotson's only going to get seven carries in the Chargers next preseason game because, man, that was super impressive. And I want to see more. Interesting guy. He was basically kind of a rotational back at four years at Sacramento, moved to northern Colorado. I mean, mm-hmm. OK, <laughs> yeah, Sa- hey, Sac State, stingers up, baby. And he Come comes on. in and it's like, whoa. Uh, yeah. 
And how about uh, C- C- the Chargers? How about C.J. Okoye? Uh, they got him in the uh, the transfer program from Nigeria. Never played a game of organized football yeah. in his life, and he got a sack. The so, so to to tell that tell in, that kid the preseason doesn't mean anything. Put that put to put that into perspective. The 49ers have an offensive lineman who came in through the international pathway program from Mexico. His name is Alfredo Gutierrez. Gutierrez came in in 2021, didn't play a snap in the preseason. Last year, in like garbage time, in a play where they would have kneeled down, the Niners wanted to get Alfredo Gutierrez a rep. So they put him in at left tackle and ran a toss to his side so he could get out and move and block. And it was a huge deal that he got on the field. Yeah. And so for for Okoye to in his first ever football game to get out and get a sack, I don't care if it's against a high school team. That's super super impressive that he did that. Plus, again, not a game of organized football in this kid's life. They lined him up at nose three and edge. In that's like wild. 20, Twenty or whatever snaps. That's, he made super superstars just because of that. I don't care preseason. My butt. I'm shut up. I, I'm not. I'm talking about this guy. Learning to play three positions in a sport you've never played before on an organized level in two weeks of camp yeah. is maybe the most impressive thing any player's done <laughs> this summer. Let's 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 end on a downer note here. What Uh-oh. players had? You know what? No, where I'm going to spin this. What players had better hope for a serious redo after their week one performances? Because hey, you got another week. What guys are you telling? Hey, you got another week to get out there. Well. Um, I will include the Giants in this as well, but the offensive line coaches for the Titans and the Panthers have a lot of work to do this week. Uh, it's often said that the gap between starting and backup offensive linemen is more stark than at any other positions, and you really see that in the preseason because the second and third level guys are just like, whoa. Uh, the Titans' offensive line allowed eight sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss against a Bears defense that, you know, not a lot of edge there. Unique Ngakwe wasn't out there yet. And backups like Jalen Duncan and Zach Johnson were particularly vulnerable. Perhaps more worrisome was to beat down Bryce Young endured in his first game with the Panthers against the Jets' dominant defensive line. And again, the Jets were throwing all their guys at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Young officially took a sack. He had a few quarterback hits, but he was under constant pressure. I mean, it was bad. And, you know, I'm not going to say he, he, you know, the size thing doesn't matter to me unless he gets his brains beaten in, and then it matters. Um the problem was that the starters were having a rough time, especially left tackle Iki Iquanu, who looked really vulnerable in ways you don't want to see from a guy who had about six sacks in his rookie season and was selected sixth overall in the 2022 draft. Those are two sixes you don't want matching up. Yeah. I will say that Iquanu was good with run blocking against the Jets. Pass pro was a problem, which may in the end be what he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just something they got to watch out for. But, I would say overall, a lot of offensive line coaches are they're drinking the coffee and they're staying up all night because there was some bad pass pro out there in week one. Yeah, it was it was tough across the league for sure. Nobody in the NFL wants their debut back more than 49ers <laughs> kicker Jake Moody. So normally this wouldn't come up. If the Niners had taken Moody in the seventh round, it would it would have skipped this entirely. But San Francisco used the number 99 overall pick on Moody. And if you're using a top 100 pick, when you only have two in the draft, by the way, on a kicker, he needs to be outstanding. Moody's been great in camp. He's missed from 43 and 63 in camp. Other than that, he's been money. In Sunday's loss to the Raiders, he pulled a 40-yarder way left. And then this is the most worrying thing to me. He misses way left from 40. They bring him in to try a 58-yarder, and then he pushed it way right. It wasn't even in the same zip code. 
So he missed both directions. That's a that's a worry for me. And the 49ers are hoping to get a Justin Tucker with that 99th pick. And after one preseason game, it kind of looks like they might have gotten a Roberto Aguayo. But there's two more. There's two more to go. And he's been good in practice. So maybe it was just nerves. Maybe he'll be money from here out and everything's going to be fine. But Well, apparently his demeanor is just awesome. Oh, he is locked in on the demeanor front. He cares himself. Just to, just to bust in, I'm, I'm looking at the guys who were taken after Moody. And I'm like, oh, Cameron, just the guys I liked. Cameron Latu, Makai Blackman. Uh, yeah. Dewan Jones, who was really good in two games mm-hmm. with the Browns. Clark Phillips. Speaking oh, of speaking, yeah, there's speak, a lot of guys here. Oof. Speaking of speaking of Cam Latu, since you just brought him up, he's another guy who wants his debut back. One target that he juggled and then fumbled Oof. after he hauled it in, and this is after having a bunch of drop problems in practice. Not a great debut for Cameron Latu, but CJ Stroud is another player who yeah. may want to redo his preseason opener. And I don't know if there's many alternate versions of that game for CJ Stroud, just because in a game where you're not game planning and you're just kind of going mono a mono our guys against your guys and your guys are the Texans. That's not going to work out very well for, for anyone. He threw four passes. He completed two of them for 13 yards. He took a sack. He threw an interception, had a 17.7 quarterback rating in two series. So like I said, the Texans leave a lot to be desired in terms of talent. And that's really going to show in these preseason games where there's no game planning going on. So it's a hard preseason lesson for Shroud that I'm, I'm sure he would like to do over again. But like I said, I'm not I'm not sure how much different the preseason is going to go for him. I I, I want to see him when they're game planning and and uh, really actually trying to win a game. Well, I mean, he explained uh, and uh, you know both sides explained what happened and basically Straub missed the the hook guy coming down and mm-hmm. you know he was reading the tight end and there was uh, Tank Dell. If you, if they had eleven Tank Dells, they'd win every game clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, eleven tank Dells or eleven Mike Ditkas. There's your there's your Super Bowl matchup. Um, yeah, he's just he, that's another. He's hanging in the pocket too long. He's not seeing things, and you expect that to improve. But I was a little surprised at the level to which he looked overwhelmed, even yeah. with the old because Larry Laramie Tunsil's not out there. You know, you don't have your guys. Mm-hmm. But I was I, I wasn't like oh no, I got to like throw my priors out because he was QB one in this class for me. Yeah. But it was like, Oh, okay. Welcome to the NFL. Now we'll see what you do. Yeah. That's, and that's the big thing for me is okay. Week two. Now that the cobs, cobwebs have gotten dusted off. He's gotten to see what it looks like. What does it look like now in week two? Is there a little bit of an adjustment? I'm thinking there will be because I'm with you. I think Stroud is a heck of a player. Well, we, uh, Thursday, uh, we start with Browns and Eagles and we'll see what happens. Fired up. Can't wait to talk about that with you next week, Doug. Everybody tune in to Four Down Territory. Thank you for watching. Thanks, guys.